So welcome to another episode of Sweetwater. Today we have Awo Oshayun and Awo Fafore, a board boy at Awo Shishe. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing well. How about you? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm a little hungry and I'm waiting on my package to still <laughs> arrive in the mail. It's 6 30 and I don't know where the mailman at. Oh wow! Mm. <laughs> like me stressing in packages because I'm when I order a book, I want my book like <laughs> that <laughs> like... second. <laughs> hey, so you know to... they say patience is you know the father of good character. So I got good character, <laughs> but this the thing: I was patient after I placed the order. Mm. It should have been in here within two days. That's right. patient enough because oh, it's, oh, so it's late. To me, it's late. Oh, I mean, I, I can't, I can't complain because and see this thing, <laughs> I, I ordered it last week. Did I? Yeah, I ordered it last week, and I already knew it was gonna come this week. However, when they sent me the information, they was like, "Oh, you're gonna receive it by January 2nd. and I was like, mm, "Oh, wow. I don't want to receive it January second. That's a stretch." Maybe I was manifesting. I was like, maybe they'll go ahead and get it out in just the, they deliver it like ASAP. So in my right. mind, I'm counting my chickens. I was like, mm, since there's no work on Christmas, she'll get here Tuesday, Wednesday at the latest. And sure enough, it is arriving today. There you go. So beautiful. Under the full moon. I say. <laughs> So today's episode is Orisha Q&A. So I typically don't touch on Orisha. I try to let the more experienced talk about Orisha because people always ask questions um, about why I do things the way I do, especially since I had a 30-day fast. And people are like, well, why do you have to be on a 30-day fast? And I'm like, oh, because spirit said this and it's a taboo or just things I had to give up. And I'm like, why did you have to give it up? And I'm just like, to help me. And, you know, I just give like a little simple answer without going too much in detail of like, oh, it's so the way I can fulfill my destiny because me participating in these taboos is going to steer me off path. So and these are questions that people always ask me that I just will give them like a very basic generic answer without going too much in detail with them. Um, but I'm sure you guys can give a little bit more of an explanation than I can. We'll do our best. Thank you. <laughs> so one of the questions I always get is why do you guys have so many restrictions? Mm. So we're talking about taboos. Yes, taboos. So taboos are restrictions. They are restrictions. They are things that we're supposed to avoid, uh, whether they be behaviors, uh, colors, foods, uh, etc. But our taboos are more than that. Uh, our taboos are things that our spirit, that our soul is diametrically opposed to. These are uh, things that just don't vibe with our spirit. And even more than that, uh, we believe that the taboos are doors into our lives that the Ajogun use to um, 
to make it into our lives. So the negative spirits that exist out in the universe make it into our lives through the doors that we call taboos. So sometimes you, well, I'll use me for example. One of my taboos was not to smoke. Um, I don't smoke. I haven't smoked, but that was one of my taboos. So smoking would be something that would be diametrically opposed to uh, to my spirit. And it would be one of the doors that the, the Ajogun death, sickness, imprisonment, those types of spirits would um, enter into my life when otherwise they would not have. It's sort of like, um, like the mystics teach about the aura mm -hmm. and that the aura can be weakened. And when the aura is, is weakened, uh, we're more susceptible to things like sickness and uh, and death and those types of things. So the taboos are very, very, very similar in Ifa. So I'll add, and I'm assuming what they mean by you guys is those of us who, you know, practice or, or reach a tradition. I will say that everybody has taboos whether you subscribe to Orisha traditions or not. The difference between us and other people is we have just been made aware of our taboos. There are things that's been kicking your butt all day, every day, all week, time and time again, and you continue to do it. Well, if you, you know, entered into tradition, they would tell you that's a taboo, don't do it. And then you would say, hmm, that makes sense. Because whenever I do it, I usually have this experience. Mm -hmm. um, one of my taboos is to not to drink. And again, so these things are things that would, we would bring into this lifetime, right? So I wasn't much of a drinker. I drank, I think, for the first time. I was probably 25. Mm -hmm. and, and this is somebody who spent, you know, eight years of undergraduate, you know, so and I didn't drink until I was 25. So um, when I would when I would drink, though, it would be I would drink every blue moon, maybe like twice, two, three times a year. Now, when I would do it, I would drink to get drunk, um, but I wasn't a big fan of it. So, again, I would do it maybe two or three times a year. So one day in particular, one evening in particular, um, I was hanging out with a good friend of mine. And we decided that we were going to drink and go to the club and hang out. Probably was the first and only time I had even touched alcohol that year. And uh, let's just say I ended up spending the night in the hospital. Um, I don't remember getting there, but I just remember leaving. So, uh, and then I haven't had a drop of alcohol probably in 10 plus years at this point. Yeah. Then I finally, you know, went through my initiating ceremony and found out it was a taboo, mm -hmm. right? So, and I'm thinking to myself, makes sense. I didn't like to do it in the first place. And the couple times that I've done it, I would always think to myself, why the hell am I doing this, right? Mm -hmm. So we all have taboos. And then even us in the Orisha tradition have more taboos that we even really realize that we have because Ifa stands for, or translates to, or one of its translations is the wisdom of nature. The wisdom of nature gives us certain laws and rules that we are supposed to follow. Whenever we go outside of those universal laws, 
then we are going to find ourselves in an out of alignment and invite blockages. So that is, or is a lifestyle that are taboos for all of us, regardless if we believe or follow the tradition or not. One of my taboos, and like you said, like it finally hits you like, oh, that makes sense. I was a big whiskey drinker. Well, when I would go out, that was the only thing I would drink was whiskey. I didn't want nothing else. <laughs> like, you got an old soul. Nothing else. <laughs> whiskey. That was it. Fireball. Every time we went to a bar, fireball, fireball, fireball shots. And I will always get a whiskey sour with crown. That's all I wanted. I had no problem mm. like drinking other liquor, but whiskey just had my little heart. And... It was two nights. I blacked out two nights in a row. Never, and I can tell you exactly what happened leading up to the blackout. And the thing was, I was still like there. I was still able to move around. I was still having conversations with people. Mm -hmm. One of my friends won't tell me what I did. One night she's like, it's best that you don't know everything that you did however wow. i would i would come back like randomly it i would just talk to someone then black out and then i'm in another place and i'll black out and this was way before i um uh, found out well this is probably when i entertained the idea of santeria um but didn't pay no mind so years later i went and um got my hand of ifa and in my hand of E5, he was like, oh, you can't have dark liquor anymore. That is mm. your taboo. You can't have dark liquor anymore. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Uh, everything. Right. One thing that someone told me when it comes to taboos is that the only time you can have your taboo is if it is like an emergency, like you are on your deathbed type stuff is the only time that you can have your taboo because that will actually help you to heal if I'm saying that correctly. So someone explained to me like when you take your taboo, that's taking away your ashe. But if like you're very, very, very sick, then that taboo you can take it to help you get back to full health. I've never heard that before. Um <laughs> 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 There's an Odu in Oduifa. Uh correct me if I'm wrong, Five Four. I think it's Ofunsa that uh talks about the taboos and it talks about things that we should be running from or the things that we do run from out of fear and that we should run away from our taboos in the same way. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've never heard about uh indulging in the taboos that we've been given uh if we are uh sick or deathbed or anything like I've never heard that in the tradition I've never heard that from my elders uh I've only been told that your taboos are your taboos once you get your taboos just like in the bible once you come to the knowledge of the truth yeah uh, <laughs> yeah so now uh, you are you are responsible for uh walking that path and keeping your taboos I've never heard that before yeah yeah I, I agree with that in the, the Odu's either Ofunsa or Osafun for sure um but yet, you know, our taboos are a lot of times there are things that we have used as a crutch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 
a lot of times the things that stop us from doing the real work mm-hmm. is things that are standing in the way of our healing, right? So if every time that you, you know, you encounter difficulties, you go to resort to alcohol or you get to overindulging in sex or food uh, or specific foods for that matter, a lot of times those things will be your taboo and it's to force you in order to really face the issues so that you can you can heal from those things. One thousand percent. Because that that made me think about my 30 day fast that I had. I was even taboos and I'm like, what am I supposed to mm-hmm. eat here? Like you took away everything. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> now let me ask you this. After you got back from your fast, did you reassess your diet moving forward or did you go back to the same diet that you had prior to the fast. So I reassessed. So the thing is too, I sat there the day I got the reading and I was told like, oh, this is like, you have to fast. Like you have to give up grains, chicken, beef, all this. And I was like, okay. And I sat there and I told my friend, I was like, I know why I have to give it up because I was overdoing it. I was eating pizza every day because when I got off of work, I didn't feel like cooking. So I'm like, I'm just going to buy pizza. Chicken is very easy. I wanted buffalo wings and fried chicken and all this. So I'm like, I was overdoing it. So, and I was already told beforehand that I needed to watch what I eat. I need to be mindful of everything that I eat. And I'm like, I'm going to get to it when I get to it. Like right now I'm tired. And I kept hearing spirit saying, like, I need to go back to eating the way I was years ago, which was a little bit more plant-based because I'm doing too much. And the crazy thing is when I was given the 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 30-day fast, my great-grandmother just passed away probably a month beforehand. And my great-grandmother, when she was alive, she would always say, stop eating so much pasta, stop eating so much bread. So it was so, I took it as like, oh, she's on the other side and now she's really giving orders and no, I'm going to listen to what spirit tells me, right. told me to give it up and I gave it up. So it was, it was a little difficult and it again because it happened around Thanksgiving. So I'm like, what am I going <laughs> to, what am I going to eat? Like. Right. And, my, and my family, they don't practice. So it's like they under, you know, if I tell them oh, I can't do this, they will like, oh, okay, and they won't ask questions, you know. So I'm glad they didn't have to, you know, they didn't badger me with with questions <laughs> about, right, about right. that. So so yeah. <laughs> um another thing is why do you cook for spirit and how do they eat offerings? one bite at a time no Um, I don't cook for a spirit person Um, I just I'm not a cook so you know I'm going and buying them food right Mm -hmm. however though either A if you're a cook or B your, your ancestors may be asking that of you because that may have been a big deal to them, right? Mm -hmm. And really what it is, it's not a, you're not feeding them because, you know, they're actually going to eat the food. They're not, you know. What it is, is an energy exchange. 
That's, that's really all it is, right? It's an, it's an energy exchange, right? It's the law of reciprocity. Again, you know, I mentioned these laws that we're unaware of, but they're actually governing our existence on this planet. And reciprocity is one of those things. It helps strengthen that bond between, you know, you and the ancestors. Now, I know people who will say, you give ancestors the food, and then at the end, like, you know, you eat, and then you should consume what mm -hmm. you gave the ancestors, right? I know some people who do that. I'm plant-based, you know, vegan. I've been there for 10 years. I'm not eating what I gave them. You know, I'm giving them fried chicken. And yeah. I went to Kroger the other day, and they had some of these sausage links. And my uncle, who was alive, he loved those things. I'm thinking like, you know what? He probably loved them because that's what he grew up with. And, you know, maybe grandma, grandpa, they, they into that, who they passed. So whenever I see those offer that Kroger every blue moon, I'll go ahead and get it. Sometimes it's a way in which you actually connect to the ancestors. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I used to go to this gym that was across the street from Popeye's. I used to go to to this gym all the time, right? So I go to the gym and then I go to the grocery store across from the gym. Now Popeye's is next to the gym. I'm on the other side of the street, right? And it's pretty early. It smelled like they were like cooking the chicken on my chest. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself like, why do I smell this chicken like that? And I'm thinking to myself like, hey man, this chicken smells fantastic now i'm not one of those vegans who become vegan and be like oh my god me mm -mm, yeah. no. if god called me and said in a week i'm shutting this whole thing down i'm going and getting me some fried chicken because i mean why not we about to all die in a week so i ain't tripping but i'm smelling this real strong and i'm like all right i got y'all i'm gonna get y'all some chicken so i go to the grocery store i leave you know, go over there, get some chicken, take it to my ancestors, you know? So that is a way in which we make space for them. Again, it's an energy exchange. That's all it is. Again, they're not eating it. It's a way of always letting them know that they're included mm -hmm. in our day-to-day -day lives. So that's really what it's about. You know, people always say when it comes to gift giving, it's the thought that counts. Mm -hmm. That's really the case with spirit. It's not necessarily the case with your mama who's still alive. <laughs> right. Uh, and not just for the ancestors and not just for cooked food, but anything that we give to spirit is what he just said. It's about the law of reciprocity. There's another law that some people may not be aware of, and it's the law of signature. Every, or at, at least our ancestors believe, and I believe also that everything in the universe has a signature. Everything has a purpose. Everything has uh, an energy or a frequency that it emits. And when we give these things to spirit, we are seeking the same thing that uh, this thing that we have given uh, exudes out into the universe. Uh, if you listen to your elders give uh, things to spirit, and you listen to them speak. Like I've heard my Luo say many times, uh, Eshu, I give you palm oil, that things may be smooth, that things may be abundant. Um, I give you gin, strong, that we may receive clarity. I give you water, clarity, for coolness, for calmness. So we are asking for the things 
to be given to us that these things represent the signatures that they give out into the universe. So the reason we give to spirit is because we are putting energies out into the universe and energies attract energies like to themselves and bring them back to the source. And you are that source when you are the giver. So when I give to my ancestors, I'm very specific about why I'm giving a certain thing. Just like when I give to Eshu or to Ifa or to Ogun, uh, when I give those things, I'm very specific about what these things mean and what I seek to uh, to get in return. So those are some of the reasons why we either cook or not just cook, why we give anything at all to speak so that we can receive what those things represent. Again, it's just an energy exchange. We don't believe that, the like he said, that spirit is actually uh, eating the food. Now, there are some that believe that when the water evaporates off of your ancestor altar, that your ancestors are actually partaking in the water. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, for those that believe that, I mean, to each his own, but I think I think we know what's going on with the water when it evaporates. I hope we know what's going on with the water when it evaporates. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that we give the things that we give the spirit. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I just I used to um just tell people it's the essence of the food that they partake in. It's the the mm -hmm. essence or the representation of the liquor or the water and things like that. Especially especially coffee is mm -hmm. one of the things because this coffee is its own energy and spirit in its own. Um absolutely, absolutely. And then another thing too about what we give. A lot of times, the more you know about your ancestors, the more you can personalize it. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom told me a story when I was a kid because I didn't know my my dad about him being at McDonald's and how he liked McDonald's. So sometimes I go to McDonald's, which you know used to be one of my favorite restaurants. You know, mm -hmm. so again, if God gives me you know, the heads up that he's going to destroy the earth. I'm going to McDonald's. But um, so I'll go get McDonald's. My grandmother liked chocolate covered uh, nuts. So I would go get that and put that on, you know, the altar. So the more you know about your ancestors, the more you can personalize it. We have a uh, <laughs> a senior priest, you know, in RE, like who would say, if he ever wanted anything, literally anything, I think he would go get like go to Popeyes and get like a, a two piece <laughs> and like a, a strawberry shafter or something like that. He said whatever he wanted, he got it. And that was his routine. On Sundays, he'll go do that whenever he needed something special. Yeah. The next question, well, it's not even a question. It's a statement that a lot uh -oh. of people always make. I know people who don't do all that and are very blessed. So I, I think people misunderstand um, these, uh, these systems, uh, the power of prayer, the power that we have in, in our words. It doesn't take. And I'm an I'm a E5 practitioner myself, Orisha practitioner myself, and I understand that the Ifa Orisha tradition is not the only way to truth, it's not the mm. only way back to source, it's not the only way uh, to become abundant 
and blessed. This is just the way that I chose. This is the way that we chose. I know plenty of people who are Christians and Muslims who are uh, successful and living their best lives. But I would say that that most of the time has nothing to do with Christianity or Islam. And it has everything to do with uh, what they actually believe about themselves, what they believe about the universe. Do they believe that prayer works? Do they believe that they can manifest things through things that they speak? Uh, so I, I believe anybody can do that, that we all have the power to do that. The Odui is uh, blatant about that, that we have to power, the power to do many things through uh, the spoken word. So they are right. They don't have to uh, come and venerate uh, Eshu. They don't have to come and give offerings to Ifa and Ogun to be blessed and to be uh, successful. However, it is in their best interest to at least uh, venerate and reverence their ancestors. Because even though they may be successful, they may not be as successful as they could be. They still may not be living in their fullest potential. So that's something that uh, we definitely should look at. I'm not one to believe that what I believe or that what I practice is the is the only thing. Uh, our Luo has has uh, has taught us that that Ifa is not the way; it's just a way. Mm -hmm. Right. And another thing too, one thing that we have to keep in mind, again, as if our practitioners or, or practitioners of spirituality, we understand this. And, and there's other um, modalities that you can go for the same information. The thing is though, is do you understand why that person is successful? And that comes down to your destiny, your purpose, the choices that you made in heaven before you got here. You know, for someone to be successful, it has to be within the realm of possibility for what that individual chose, right? And success looks different for each person depending upon what we chose. So when we start looking at success as like a blanket statement and success looks supposed to look the same for everybody, you'll find yourself in a position where you're running really, really, really fast in the wrong direction for yourself. You know, we have this thing in Ifa where we talk about keep your eyes on your own mat. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I like about that and what I take from that is when you start judging yourself based upon what other people are doing, you're going to miss the boat every time, right? Mm -hmm. So the best way to do things is to find out Again, what success looks like to you? What's your destiny and purpose? What did you come here to do? If you look at things through that lens, you will see success completely different. Again, like Oshayun um, said, there are some uh, practices that believe that God ordained their particular religion. God has never wrote a book, you know, God doesn't care about pretty much anything I'm sure that we care about. All these different spiritual systems are is for a very specific people to be able to understand spirit. The Yoruba didn't create a practice for the world. 
because of slavery, it happened to spread to different places. But it wasn't the intent of we're going to teach the world how to be in tune with God. No. Uh, the tribes in Ghana, they didn't come up with spiritual traditions for the world. Uh, Hinduism is not a tradition for the world. It's for that specific group of people. This is the way we view things. You know, I could do something and say, I'm calling on Eshu. Somebody else can do the same thing, calling them the same energy and has a completely different name. Right? So that's why I can have conversations with people in a different religion or different spiritual practice of myself and they can make a statement I can agree with you know because I'm not you know just looking at the specific name I'm understanding what it is they're saying like I'll go to a store and ask for chicken somebody in Mexico is going to a store and asking for pollo we walking out with the same thing mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up destiny <laughs> <laughs> Very much so, because it was funny years ago, because I'm known to try to move things very fast, because I feel like I should have been doing this years ago. Like, I need to now try to catch up. I need to learn as much as I possibly can. And like you said, like, keep your eyes on your max. I'm like, oh, well, these people are so much further ahead. And I've been like dibble-dabbling up in this for a minute. I need to be where they're at as quick as possible. Like, give me the fast track. And so I'll never forget, I kept hearing this old dude so many times as like a constant reminder um, where it talks about bit by bit, piece by piece. I don't remember <laughs> which old it is, but I just know the mm -hmm. specific message. And I was always told... Um, in my readings of you're moving too fast, you're trying to get ahead of your destiny, you need to slow down um, because you're gonna end up missing important things that you're gonna need later because you're trying to speed and get somewhere. And so it wasn't until like a couple of years later that I actually understood and started seeing how things pan out. So I had a conversation with a friend about destiny. And when it comes to getting readings, Oh, the reading said that this is supposed to happen. And I remember saying, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's supposed to happen right now. Like readings don't always give us a timeline. So it's like you're ahead of your destiny. So the person turned to me and said, well, how can you be ahead of your destiny? And how can you change your destiny if it's your destiny? Like there's no possible way, you know? So I, I um, suggested a movie that I feel like touches really great on destiny. Um, and I'll have to find a movie for you guys to look at. It's on Netflix. It's really good. <laughs> but how do you respond? Or if you guys have even heard people ask you that question of how can you be ahead of your destiny or how can you change your destiny if it's supposed to happen? Mm. Yeah, so the thing about uh, about destiny, right? And about outrunning your destiny. I remember when I got my hair to be five. Like the first thing, one of the things I kept thinking about over and over in my head, and, and me and O'Shea would talk about this, like, man, I had this information when I was like 15. Or man, if I was 18 and I got this, oh man. And then we had um 
one of our guy brothers, he came in, he was young, you know, uh, he may have been 18, 20 years old. And I remember thinking to myself like, oh, if I was his age when I came in. But I had to keep reminding myself that in my Ishe Fa, I was told you weren't supposed to come into this until later on. You were supposed to go through life, live the life that you live, have the experiences that you had, and then later on, with that perspective that you brought through those life experiences, then find Ifa. So, you know, again, it still wasn't a quick switch where I would, you know, stop having those thoughts of, oh man, if I, when I was 15. Um, but eventually I had, you know, to get over that. Now, when it comes to changing your destiny, the philosopher in myself sees this multiple different ways. Um, there's an aspect of me that says your destiny is your destiny because you made the choice in heaven. But destiny requires two choices. It's the choice you made in heaven. And then when you get here, you have to then make the choice again to actually follow that, that path. And that's the thing where we fall short. You know, when you look at all the struggle and, and all the pain and suffering and things that, that people experience all the way up until death. A lot of us, I would argue, would probably live and die falling woefully short of achieving that goal. And then we just do it all over again in a different body. Um, not starting from scratch, because you're starting off with that information, we might not even realize that we have that information, but we're starting off with that information from all those past lives. Um, again, we have to go find it, right? And that's why divination is important. So that's the thing about, about destiny. It, it's, it's choice. You have to make the choice. You made the choice initially. Then going through the process of birth, you forgot about the choice. Then we spend our lifetimes trying to remember what it is that we chose. And once we find out, if we find out, we have to choose it again. Now, you'll also see studies that break destiny down into different categories. And you'll have aspects of choice, like, or excuse me, destiny, like a Kulian, which are things that you absolutely cannot change. You know, you can't change your race. Um, you can't change your, your family. It's other things that you can't change that people are changing. <laughs> you know, so some people are arguing about that, but there are some things that are unchangeable, right? And then when you go into the other two parts of destiny, those all go into, again, specific choices. Like for instance, you may come here to be a, uh, a healer. Now, you have the choice to then, okay, well, what does that look like? I can be an MD who is also uses traditional medicine. You know, you can be a, um, a therapist or a psychologist and heal people that way. Those are the things that you can you can find your niche, but you're still serving in a, you know, a space of healing, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, the other two 
talks about utilizing your power of choice, but ultimately your destiny is your destiny. So I think, I think we have to back up a little bit, right? I think, I think this is a, another one of those concepts that I don't think we fully understand. And, and this is a symptom of us bringing Western concepts and trying to attach them to concepts that are not Western at all. Mm-hmm. When I hear people speak about destiny, they speak about destiny like Christians speak about predetermination or predestination. Mm-hmm. Our Luo told us that destiny is not a destination. Right. Destination is a journey. So you have this this destiny. You have this thing that you are supposed to do. But because of the choices that you make, you cannot, you cannot, and you can fall, as uh, Fafore said, woefully short of manifesting that destiny based on the choices that you make. And then you start all over again. Like he said, not from, not from scratch, but you do it all over again until, until you get it right. Like we have to, we have Mm -hmm. to get it. So destiny is not, is not predestination or it's not something that's predetermined. We still have real free will. You know, Christians will speak about free will, but at the same time speak about um, predetermination. It's already written. And then you have to see that Christians only live one time. Mm -hmm. They only only live one time. So you have to accomplish uh, the destiny that you chose because you're only doing this one time. You only do one time. Now, the other thing about uh, getting ahead of your destiny, language is always going to fail us in areas like that because we're using three-dimensional language to try to explain things that are dimensions above that. So when we say uh, before, after, behind, those types of words uh, allude to time. And we know that there is no time in the spirit realm. what what the people who are divining for you for are trying to get you to understand is that because there is no time in the spirit realm, you can be patient. You can be patient and you can slow down. Uh, I read a quote somewhere recently that said that the best way to miss everything is to want everything quickly. Mm. To want everything quickly. Uh, Fafore and myself, we were the same way. Like, man, I need this information. I need that information. I need to get this. I need to learn that. Uh, and our elders told us the same thing. Uh, bit by bit, slow down, be patient. You got a long time to do this and things like that. But, you know, we were just uh, eager. Uh, but destiny is one of those uh, concepts, I believe, even within the tradition that um, we really lack an understanding of. And mm-hmm. I think because... Um, Again, we make assumptions and we bring Western concepts and try to attach them to concepts that are not um, that are not Western. Um, as Fafore said, we have to make the choice twice. We have to make it twice. We have to make it consciously here uh, in the in the physical realm and decide that that which is for me, I'm going to chase. I'm going to follow. Uh, I'm going to fulfill. Um, but yeah, destiny destiny is just. One of those things you can't literally be ahead of your destiny or behind your destiny, but you can be misaligned from mm-hmm. uh, your destiny and 
lacking patience. And, you know, I want to add something. My brother just made me think about this, too. And it was, I've had conversations with people of other faiths who feel limited by this concept of destiny, right? And feel like that eliminates free choice or free will, excuse me. And that's why I was talking about it's a, something that you choose twice. Also, like my brother said, destiny is not a destination, but it's also not singular as well. You know, like with the example I gave, you may have come here to be a healer. That's not the only thing you came here to be, right? You may have come here to be a healer. You may also have come here to break certain generational curses, right? You know, you may have also come here to push the lineage forward, right? Um, you may have come here to live out fantasies that your family you know, hasn't done, right? You may, on top of being a healer, you have maybe been the, the only one in your family or the first one in your family to go to college, right? You know, that's something that you did. So it's not singular, right? It's not one focus and everything else falls to the wayside. There's usually multiple things that we came here to do. Never thought about it that way always saw it as one specific thing like oh this is what I have mm -hmm. to do so you put a lot of things into perspective so within the many things that a lot of us have to do the question that I always hear and when people ask this question I kind of scratch my head because I think a lot of people when they think of Orisha based practices they look at it as something that is like witchcraft, something that's just magical. So questions that I will hear is, what does a priest or priestess do? And I will always respond with, um, or I'll try to like equate it to something that they're familiar with, like, well, what does your pastor do? What does, you know, a bishop do? What does, you know, these priests at churches do? Like, what is their job like what are they supposed to be doing i was like and that's what typically along the lines is what's happening in african traditional religions of uh, the priests and priestess they they're still here to you know either heal or teach um and even then just learning that not everyone priesthood looks the same every you know there's a priest for the community or there's just a priest in the household but ultimately the question is what does a priest or priestess do? <laughs> you know, I've only heard this in our community. Uh, you know, people, I've never heard anybody ask, what does a, a Catholic priest do? Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've never heard that question before. But a priest is a person that is the keeper and the conservator of knowledge that has been passed down from generation to generation for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. What we have actually done is that we've made a covenant or a pact with nature saying that we are going to conserve, we're going to preserve, we're going to uh, be the stewards of uh, what nature has taught our ancestors. So basically what we do is we stand in the gap. We stand in the gap between those that either don't know the laws of nature, uh, don't understand what we call our woe, which is sometimes a, a, 
a body of knowledge that has been uh, conserved by very few people. But what a priest actually does is uh, he or she makes a covenant with, uh, with nature. And it's nothing more than, it's not, it's not as mystical or as magical as uh, some people may make it seem. It's not, uh, it's not witchcraft, it's not devil worship. What we have learned because we've been taught uh, by our ancestors or this knowledge has been passed down by our ancestors and taught to us by our elders is that nature was here first. Nature teaches us how to be on the planet and so we've made a covenant with nature to study nature, to learn nature, to walk within the confines of the universal and natural laws of nature. And we teach those things to uh, to those that come to us for uh, for healing because they are misaligned, whether that be in whatever dimension of the self that may be in the mental self, the emotional self, the physical self, the spiritual self. But we are basically those that stand in the gap. We are the preservators of that knowledge that have been passed down to us by our ancestors. Mm -hmm. You know, just to add a little to that, I'm going to use that destiny word again. You know, as priests, we marry our destiny. So our destiny is going to determine how we operate as priests. Mm -hmm. All priests don't come here to have God children. All priests don't necessarily come here to, to be diviners or to teach. You know, some people get initiated because it's required for them to save their life. Mm -hmm. Some people get initiated for protection. You know, some people may get initiated and they'll just be the priest of their household, the priest of their family. You know, they're not going to really operate much outside of that. Mm -hmm. So it's whatever you're called to do you would lend your gifts and talents in that manner, you know? Um, so like you said, all priests are not going to uh, operate in the same manner, right? Mm -hmm. But we are all going to operate in a manner, or at least we're required to or supposed to, that serves humanity and, you know, the, the greater consciousness. Yeah. I think with social media now and seeing priests, priestesses, and avaricious online, I think that when people look at priests and priestesses, they look at it like, like this person is supposed to solve all their problems, sort of say, because they're always mm -hmm. asking questions of, well, how can you know, help me with this or just basically thinking that going to a priest or priest, this will solve all their issues. And how I feel about that is that, like, I understand that, you know, we do Ebo and things like that in the religion. However, if you are going to, um, a priest or priest to get something done and you're not following um, the taboos that spirit has given you or you're not following what spirit has told you that that priest or priest you know they did their part and the rest is just on you so I think a lot of people put a lot of weight on priests and priestesses um, that you didn't fix my life things didn't change <laughs> you know like what are you doing type right. of deal that's the easy part. The easy part is making is making the ebo 
uh, Aoluo told us that the greatest sacrifice is to change the way you think, speak, and act. Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to change your behavior. I don't. I don't think people really understand that there's an energy that we all give out, mm-hmm. and again, energy that we exude is the energy that we get back. That energy goes out into the universe and attract energies like into itself and bring it back to the source. You are the source. Aoluo always told us all roads lead back to you. Mm-hmm. I don't care what experience you had. Uh, I don't care how uh, damaging it was, how negative it was, how dark it was. All mm-hmm. roads lead back to you. My job as a priest is to help you see you. My job is to help you see you. It's to help you stand uh, in the middle because that's where I am. I'm in the middle looking equally to both sides. Or, uh, mm-hmm. I'm equally to all sides. My job is to help you to get there so you can find yourself in, in the experience. Find out why you're having these uh, experiences. Of course, we can perform Ebo to help shift these different energies. And again, when we make Ebo, we're giving things to spirit and these things have signatures. So we are able to uh, to tap into different energies, but still the, the changing of your behavior, the changing of uh, the way you think and the way you speak is the most important ritual, the most important elbow that you're, uh, that you're ever going to make. And, and I'm going to repeat something that I will O'Shea said, um, because if you want to put all priests out of business, if you want to single-handedly destroy <laughs> the priest class or make it to where priests aren't necessary, change the way you think, act, and speak. One of those three things or all of those three things is the reason for the obstacles and blockages and, that you face. Change those things. Um, in order to change those things, though, you have to be ready and willing to make a sacrifice. There's something that you have to give up. There's something that you have to stop doing. And, spoil the end of the movie, that thing or those things are going to be something that you absolutely do not want to give up. Yeah. That's what makes it a sacrifice, yeah. right? That just is what it is. That's what makes it a sacrifice, that boyfriend that you absolutely love, that you will jump in front of a bus for, you got to let him go. He's the reason why you bring him obstacles, blockages to the leg. The reason why he is there in the first place is something that has to do with the way you think after speed. Mm-hmm. You change those, you have no need for him. He goes, obstacle blockages and lays are, are, are over with. But you just can't see yourself being able to sacrifice that, right? Because you just love him so much or whatever the case it may be. It's going to be something that's going to require you to make a sacrifice. Nobody achieves anything that we would consider great without a level of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. You have to make a sacrifice and you have to be intentional. You have to be consistent with making those necessary sacrifices. What we do is there's not one priest, I don't care what story you heard, there is no priest who has healed anybody from anything. What a priest does is assist you in your own healing, right? We'll relay messages from spirit. We can, and then those messages will tell you things to do, not do, avoid, whatever the case may be. 
and we can help you to see yourself. But again, go back to that word choice. You got to make the choice. You got to make the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. The next questions, which <clears throat> since a lot of other practices don't have this particular thing that we have that we go to on a regular basis, which are shrines. <clears throat> mm -hmm. People always ask, what happens to your shrines when you pass? Do they get passed down to someone? I don't care what happened to my shrines when I pass because I'm not here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't even something I'm thinking about. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Right. <laughs> It doesn't matter whatsoever. Now, I've seen that happen to where a godparent may go collect some of your things, especially if it's a situation where like nobody in your family, mm -hmm. like you are the black sheep and everybody looking around like, who the hell going to take that rock? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your your Luo might your godmother might be like you know what I'll take it it's a consecrated whatever it is we'll go ahead and bring it because nobody's going to take care of it. Um, if ideally you have a family member, ideally you have multiple family members, and you know while the rest of the family members find out who's going to get your car, yeah. you know <laughs> they are they're fighting and they're not in the literal sense fighting but they're yeah. all. Pay some dibs on. Hey, let me get the Opuela. Hey, I'm a child of Obatala. I'm about to take the Obatala shrine, whatever. They're, they're doing that. But in that case where, again, it's just you, mm -hmm, they yeah. might just go to the garbage. <laughs> like, to be perfectly honest. You know, it just is a, it's, it's situational, right? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So that's why ideally we're we're being that beacon of light, right? What we should be doing is using the information through these initiating ceremonies and these initiations to improve ourselves to the point that where people around us is like, whoa, like Keisha done really stepped her game up and she been doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, Tyrone is like night and day. And then those people are attracted to it and then they start practicing, right? Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, you got half your family in it. And when you pass, you know, again, it, it's a mad dash to the house to get the consecrated implements. <laughs> but I'm going to be honest, if I don't have any people left behind to take my, probably the last thing I'm thinking about is what's going to happen to my implements when I'm gone. Because the important thing is your altars are really just a place for you to focus on, right? Mm -hmm. If we really, really transcend in the way that we're supposed to, there would be no altars. Mm -hmm. You know, we would either A, go out in nature whenever we needed to connect with that energy, or better yet, understand that all those energies that exist in those different altars and consecrated implements first reside in us. And that's the way we're able to manipulate those energies. Because it's not, we're not manipulating something outside of us. We're manipulating something inside of us that then has an outward effect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I was, that's what I was going to uh, start leaning toward is us understanding 
what the shrines are. Um, Ofumeji tells us that everything exists inside of the calabash. So the universe is uh, a self, we'll say a self-contained universe inside of a calabash. Each individual person is also his or her own calabash. This is what the shrine is to represent. You have Ogun inside of a container. You are the container and that spirit exists inside of you. You have your Ifa inside of a container. You are the container and Ifa is something that exists inside of you. The shrine, like he said, that we eventually transcend. You don't need your shrine. What, what do you do when you are away from your shrine and you need to go to Ifa? What do you do when you're away from your shrine and you need to go to Oshun? You know, these things exist in nature and these things exist uh, inside of us. Mm -hmm. Where your shrine goes means nothing because those, those energies, Ifa, Ogun, Oshun, Obatala, Shango, all of these different energies exist inside of you. You are the calabash. You are the shrine. You are the universe. Like Far Foray said, you are manipulating something inside of yourself that has an outward effect. Now, I've seen personally where my own Aluo, when uh, one of our elder priests passed, he kept it. And uh, we'll still feed it. This is this is Baba so-and-so uh, Osustad. And it's still, it's still fed. This is Ogun Pot. And it's still fed. That's something that I've seen my own Oluo do. Uh, but like yep. I, when I leave, when I leave this physical plane, then it's going to be on <laughs> the people that's left behind to decide what they're going to do with it. That's going to that's gonna be the last thing on my mind. I'm going to be in the, uh, in the spirit realm, uh, <laughs> you know, wondering. Wondering why either people are throwing away my pots or why they keeping them. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And one thing we got to understand too about Christianity. If you truly study Christianity, you will realize that Christianity is nothing more than African spirituality. And it says in, in the Bible that our body is a temple, mm -hmm. right? Because that all the energy that is housed, you know, we are consecrated, you know, so um, consecrated by our mothers, we came up that birth command. Mm -hmm. So, um, or I guess some of us bypassed that with the uh, C-section, but you know, hey, we got consecrated one way or another. One way. <laughs> right, right. So the next question that I have, because this has been a topic on TikTok. You had to take a deep breath for this one. Because <laughs> I have, I just got my feels about social media and I, I watch and I keep scrolling. I don't like to be in the comment section. I don't like to try to correct people. I let people live the life they want to live and believe what they want to believe. And I'm not going to try to convince any otherwise because I know how I get. So it's just best if I keep on scrolling. But <laughs> one of the topics that caused an uproar on TikTok was, do you have to go to a priest to find out who governs your head? 
Absolutely. I saw that too. <clears throat> yeah. How did you feel about that? I mean, indifferent. Um, <laughs> I mean, say what people are doing on the internet is really, really none of my business. Uh, but, but in our tradition, for you to uh, find out what Orisha governs your head, a priest definitely has to be involved because there's divination involved, and this is this is above and beyond the pay grade of Obi divination. Um, this is this is something that definitely requires a priest. You definitely need a priest to determine uh, what Orisha governs your head. Now, I'm sure that there are some very intuitive people um, out there that could possibly uh, get it right with an, with an intuitive, uh, I'm going to use the word guess, uh, just because I know it's not divination, um, that could come up with an intuitive guess. But in our tradition, according to the protocols of our tradition, the practices of our traditions, you definitely need a priest to determine not just the Orisha that uh, that governs your head, but uh, any other Orisha and whatever they're doing in your lives, yeah, you need divination for that. And for divination, you need a priest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I've ha I've had a Misa, and you know I didn't have any lekkes on. I, I took my e day off and put it in my pocket before I went in. And the guy starts talking and he was like, you're a child of Shango. You know, um, and I am a, a, a son of Shango. Mm -hmm. But like Oshayun said, yeah, the, the proper protocol is definitely to do that, to be on the safe side. Um, the, the <laughs> I shouldn't laugh though, because, you know, we've all been in different places before we got to the place we are now in in many different ways right but i know people who are self-proclaimed children of certain areas based upon how they feel oh i just connect with ocean well i think in the social media area uh, era, social media era Probably most women, especially if you think you're beautiful, you connect with Oshun that you tell, oh yeah, I just, I just feel the Oshun behind. I definitely feel like I'm a child of Oshun. Mm, your feelings are definitely not the way to try to go, you know, to go with that. Um, but I know women who, you know, Ray running off getting tattoos and running off getting altars and things of that nature because of how they feel, you know. Definitely go uh definitely go to a priest and get that figured out um i had a um my sister had a, a friend come to me they just knew they were a child of oya like they just knew it you know my sister is a child of oya and when my sister mentioned oya i was like oh my god yes i i just i just vibe with that energy i know i'm a child of oya end up getting divination definitely was not a child of Oya, you know, um, and was on their way to getting all kinds of stuff to set up an altar too. So, um, yeah, definitely go to a priest, get that figured out. That was, that was just one of the things I just, I was like, I'm gonna let y'all do what y'all <laughs> want. That's the lesson you're gonna have to mm -hmm. learn on your own. 
you know. However, it, it's funny because I told people how I got started with Orisha is I had a dream of Eshu. I didn't know nothing about Orisha. I'd never seen Orisha in my life. But I literally saw little cement Eshu head inside of a, a I am assuming it's a botanica. And he was surrounded by little coins and a little clay pot. And that's how I end up searching Orisha mm -hmm. because I described it was like red and black cement rock. <laughs> like right. and I just saw what came up and I it just went from there. And I sat there and I was like, me having that dream of Eshu and then having a dream of Yemoja, I was like, that was them guiding me to Orisha, not necessarily as she was saying, like, hey, I govern your head, but hey, like, the party's right. over here. <laughs> like, you, you get it on or not. Right. Absolutely. So, that's when I see people um, and again, like, saying, oh, I have a connection with this particular Orisha, or I've had dreams, and I sit there, like, that's probably just them, like, Either they have a message for you, like they're trying to tell you something, or mm -hmm. they're telling you, like, "Hey, this is the practice you're supposed to to be a part of," you know. But but again, the only way to fully know is to to go to a priest or a priestess, and there's no way for you to do it the reading with with tarot cards or anything like. like absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> and. As you go through different initiating ceremonies, initiations, your orishas may change. Yeah, that was something mm -hmm. that I found very interesting. Of uh, until you get crowned, your orisha can change. Because mm -hmm. um, I know when um, I got my first reading, I was told it's Shuoba, and then got my hand of me fast. I'm like, oh, you're Obatala, Oba. You know, had someone else someone like, oh no, it's Olakun. And it just went on from there until I found out mm. where I belong. So but but yeah, and that's another thing too of you know, the Orisha do speak, you know, they speak in many different ways because I would always tell people like I have a lot of dreams of Oshun and mm. I'm not but what I learned was that um, someone ended up telling me that you can be, you know, a child of a particular Orisha or crown a particular Orisha, but it's another Orisha that is always going to speak to you uh, more, more than who you're crowned and whatnot. And I, and I found that to be very interesting. I was just like, well, if I'm not a child of this Orisha, then why is this one always talking to me and telling me things and giving me messages? So mm -hmm. they do. I think yeah. that all of these Orisha exist inside of us. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not like um there's a particular Orisha that has chosen your head and all of the rest fall away. Mm -hmm. Uh won't speak to us, it's just whether or not we're sensitive enough to uh hear the message or understand the message once we hear it. Uh nature is speaking to us mm -hmm. all the time. Um, our people that we come into contact with are speaking to us at all times. One of the things that I was told when I received my hand of E5 was to always keep money in the vehicle that I'm in to give money at the crossroads because that's where I would get 
uh, my blessings from. So in that manner, Eshu is speaking to me, or I'm feeding Eshu at uh, at the crossroad. And uh, my head or compliment Orisha is not Eshu. So uh, all of these Orisha are always speaking to us. Uh, it is recommended that you always go to a priest or a priestess to get uh, divination to figure out what your uh, Orisha are. Like you say, you may have uh, been visited or received messages from other Orisha that are not your uh, crowning or head Orisha. Right, right. And in the meantime, though, let's say for one reason or another, maybe you, you don't know a priest, you haven't found one, um, you can always holler at us at the Who Made Y'all Priest podcast. <laughs> but uh, you study that Arisha. So that, that Arisha that you think speaks to you or whatever, study that Arisha with the understanding that that is an energy. And when you find out what that energy is that's represented by that Arisha, you may find yourself out of alignment, whether it's excess, you know, or underutilized in that energy. So if you're feeling these, this connection to Oshun, well, maybe if you realize like, you know, you're a homebody and you haven't other than go to work in the grocery store, you haven't left the house in six months. Maybe it's time for you to go out and have a little bit of fun. Mm -hmm. You know, um, maybe if, you know, it's time for you to be a little sweeter. If you mm -hmm. realize that you're kind of bitter, you, you, you're curt with people, things of nature, maybe that's the message that's being delivered, right? Because like Oshayun said, these are energies that exist inside of us. So sometimes that message will come down and it'll talk about, you know, how you are out of alignment with that energy. Mm -hmm. And that's why that Arisha is less speaking to you. I try to be sweet. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, try to, I try to be sweet. But people be peopling. Mm. And I sit there and I just won't say nothing. I'll be like, mm-hmm. But I try. I really do. Now, the old dual tour magic will tell you, you know, speak your truth. But, <laughs> you know. Medicine, you know, it always <laughs> And right. that's, that's what I used to always tell people. I was like, medicine ain't always sweet, but it's going to make you feel better. Yeah, yeah. Torah will tell you to speak your peace, but, you know, it's about how you go about it, right? So, you know, <laughs> if you just keep biting your tongue and hold it in, eventually you're going to explode. Right. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> I should. Hello? Like I said, patience, hello? Yeah. I'm working on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I would love to thank you guys for your time and coming on here yet again <laughs> with me. And then I'm going to go ahead and let y'all plug in where people can find y'all, even though they, if they listen to the last episode, they would know. But just in <laughs> case they decided to skip, <laughs> they know. I'll show you. I'll show you. Well, well, first of all, thank you. Um, so very much. This has been um, very fun for us. We talked about it, you know, uh, after we did the first one, we enjoyed ourselves and we greatly appreciate you for thinking about us and inviting, you know, us to your platform. You know, we greatly appreciate it. 
<laughs> but you can find us on Instagram at who.made.y'all.priest. You know, you can find us, our podcast on YouTube and everywhere that podcasts are found. Um, it's the Who Made Y'all Priest podcast. So please check us out. And then you can find us on Instagram at Who Made Y'all Priest 7 Eleven. Huh? I mean, what did I just say? I said Instagram? Yeah, my Instagram. bad. TikTok. I was thinking TikTok. I seen the TikTok emblem in my head. Yeah. TikTok at um, Who Made Y'all Priest 7 Eleven. And for who y'all don't know, the 7 Eleven is because we have a Master Eleven in the building. And then we have a seven. But absolutely. absolutely. Know that skip, so. yeah. <laughs> Those are the spiritual numbers. So that's that's how we got to the priesthood, right? Just following our destiny, right? We made the choice, you know, the conscious choice once we got here, that we were going to actually accept our destiny and continue down that path. So I should. Well, thank you all again. And until next time. <laughs>